You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they build their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Robin Singhvi, founder of SmartQ. Robin, super happy to have you. Hey, thank you for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. Awesome. Let's dive right in. What problem does SmartQ solve for its customers? So uh, SmartQ essentially is an interactive demo platform that empowers go-to-market teams to create interactive product showcases or demos with ease, right? So the problem that we try to solve is that Product demos have always been something that either dev teams do or solutions consultants or sales engineers do, which means a lot of time, effort, resources go into doing that. And when you look at marketing teams or sales teams, they are prone to working and running fast, right? Uh, marketing teams create like a bunch of uh, you know assets and try to A-B test the hell out of them to find out what is the best asset to use, for which channels, for which audiences. But the one thing that they haven't been able to do all this while is determine which demo or what parts of the product really resonate with which parts of your audience, right? Uh, that always required them to go back to dev and, and get them to build something. Um, so that's the first problem that we're trying to solve, that can we actually reduce or eliminate the need for marketing teams to rely on dev to create these personalized interactive product demos, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the second problem that we're trying to solve is that nowadays B2B buyers are behaving more and more like B2C. So they want to do their own research. They really want to understand what is it that you offer why should I pick you over someone else? And, you know, I'll go read your case studies. I'll go read your reviews on G2. Uh, I'll watch the videos that you put up. But the one thing that I always want as a buyer, but which I do not have access to, or is always behind a paywall or a gate, is the experience of your product, right? Especially in B2B, where they're like, okay, yeah. if you want to see the product, sign up here for a free trial, give me your email or set up a call with, you know, my SDR, before I tell you more. What that leads to is you may get a lot of leads in the funnel, but a lot of them may not truly be fully qualified, right? So what if you can actually eliminate that friction and showcase your product right at the beginning of the funnel? Allow the prospect or the buyer to really discover what you have to offer. Link that themselves to their problem statement that, oh, yes, your product solves my, my problem right? Then when they actually do come through the funnel, when they actually do give you their email address to contact them, they're a much more qualified lead, primed to convert sooner or faster because they've already sort of, you know, got into that aha moment around the problem solution thing, right? So, so that's what we're trying to solve is trying to make your sales motion more efficient. And to start off with, we were trying to do that with uh, allowing you to create these interactive uh, product showcases. So in a way, ungating the product so that you don't even need a free trial or a free plan basically to, to test it, but exactly. to, to jump right in and see, see if it's a fit for you. 
Makes sense. And then is the typical buyer like a B2B SaaS startup or like who's the typical buyer of that? Uh, so our buyers are typically yeah. companies that have a software product that they're trying to sell, right? So, and and the trend that I'm seeing in, in our customer base right now is they either tend to have a relatively complex product or complex problem that they're trying to solve with their product. And they need to be able to showcase how they're solving the product to their buyers. But they're typically not able to do that with like a demo. They need someone to come to the door. When they do, the AE will show them a, a deck and then do the discovery. And then they'll bring in a sales engineer or solutions consultant and then do the demo, right? With SmartQ, they're able to kind of shorten that time span, allow you know, a complex problem to be broken down into easy to understand and relatable uh, highlights of your product, if you will, and then kind of use that as a as a lever to bring in uh, these these highly qualified leads. So more for sales companies that go after like the the bigger companies or the enterprise deals in a way then. So it sounds like you're, it's more like for like sales oriented companies and less for like the typical bottom ups PLG, at least. It's, it's very yeah. interesting the, the reason I'm hesitating in, in answering that is because we actually have these two buckets of customers. One is the one that you described where it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're enterprise company, enterprise software company trying to sell to other enterprises, high ACV, uh, relatively longer sales cycle, complex products. And so. Let's use SmartQ to simplify our, our sales cycle, our product demo, streamline that everyone's kind of you know, showcasing the same uh, demo, messaging it the same way. But on the other hand, we actually have PLG companies that are saying, that are using SmartQ and saying that, hey, you know what? We want to use every product at our disposal to be able to enable the buyer to be able to make that decision to, to buy. Right? Interesting. And... Yes, well, we allow them to sign up for a free trial. We have videos, we have testimonials, but let's put our product there without any 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 paywalls, right? And and it's actually working very well for B, uh, excuse me for PLG companies because they actually face that problem, right? That they have a ton of leads at the top of the funnel, but a lot of those leads sort of just fall through the wayside by the time they actually come through uh, at the bottom of the funnel, and when they're trying to calculate that that free to paid uh, conversion ratio of their customers. The reason that always suffers is because you've kind of forced people to give their email, sign up for your product, and then they kind of just disappear because they come in and they realize that, okay, this may not be a good fit for you for whatever reason. But they're still considering that as a lead because you captured their email, right? Makes but sense. But with yeah. like, okay, it's okay. Like, it, as a matter of fact, one of my customers said that, you know, if on average we got 100 leads in a month, uh, pre smart queue. Now we're only getting 80 and I'm like, okay, that's concerning. But they're like, you know what? I'm actually happy with that because now my free to paid conversion ratio has increased because the quality of the people who come in is increased. So the 20 people who dropped out, I probably didn't even want them in my funnel because they were not my ICP. So that's, that's been interesting to see. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm hesitating to say that, you know, yeah. are we are we the best fit for a PLG company or an enterprise company? We're seeing use cases across, you know, both types of companies. 
Yeah, that's super interesting because it really sounded like a like a thing for like more sales driven companies. But I mean, that makes a ton of sense because PLG is all about like showing value early. So it makes a ton of sense. Let's switch gears a bit and like just set a bit of context like for everybody for the rest of the convo. So wh when did you found SmartQ? When did you start working on it? Uh, I founded SmartQ officially in October of 2021. So it's been, uh, it'll be a couple of years uh, coming up soon. Got And what's your, you're going the venture track? Like what's your, like how much funding did you raise so far? Like what's the, the stage on that? Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting, right? So when I started the company, I was uh, very confident that, hey, you know, I'm just going to bootstrap this. Um, and I did that for, for quite a while. But what happened during that, that period of time is talking to my advisors, I started to realize that even though I have conviction in the idea, sometimes it can be an interesting way to validate whether your idea has legs and it's, it's, it's really a scalable business by getting someone to invest in. Because, you know, yeah, I'll talk to 100 people and they'll be like, this is a great, great idea, great product. I think you should do it. Good luck. Right. But then as soon as it comes to like, okay, but would you invest in it? If, if I sense a bit of hesitation or pause, to me, that's like, okay, well, then is it really a great idea? Is it really worth investing in? Right. And so, I started to approach the investment piece through the lens of like, okay, can I find an investor or a set of investors who know the space really well uh, and who can make connections for me, who can act as um, advisors and folks who've been there and done that. And I want them to invest in SmartQ to know that, okay, if these people have invested in me, that, that really means that there's some validation in what I'm doing. So, so I did raise a very, very small round uh, about, yeah, it's been, it's been over a year now that I raised that round. And it, it was, you know, one uh, sort of fund and then a few angel investors who were in the B2B SaaS space. So basically like a small angel round yeah. in a way or like a small exactly. pre-seed, yeah. Yeah, Makes sense. yeah. Angel round because I'm actually raising a pre-seed, but yeah. Okay, then it's the official angel round. Awesome. There you go. Yeah. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast growth startups. Get a 14-day risk-free trial and a transparent price of $95 per hour. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. Then just like sticking to the to the fundraising because we're like it's june 2023 so not the funnest of times to to raise funds what's the thing that you change in the way that you're approaching it to go the venture route now that the the tide turned and it's like actually the first time in in a long time that it's like a down market and not not everything is going up to the right like yeah. how are you adapting as like an early stage founder yeah so so, you know, I'll be very honest that, um, I actually, I've been trying to raise the same way that I, that I have been all this while, right? So I, whenever I've gone to the investor, I've always tried to be like, Hey, I, I'm not trying to sell on only projections, right? I have some traction. I have some real users, usage, uh, references that, that establish that 
A, that there is a market, B, that there are people who are paying for uh, the, the product and, and the offering that I have. And in addition to that, that there's also a large tank, right? So, so for me, it's been very interesting uh, that my, my approach has not changed, but the receptivity actually has, where they're like, okay, yes, we want to see, we want to see real numbers. We want to see users and we want to see usage. We want to actually see you showing some revenue, right? And then you tell us about your tag. And I'm like, yes, of course, you know, that's what I've been trying to do all this while. Um, but of course, like I'll, uh, on the flip side, the problem for me is that I'm a solo founder, right? Um, a solo founder who, while has a technical degree and, and, you know, created my MVP, I'm not, I'm not the CTO. I'm not building the product. I'm the, I'm the sales side of the house. Uh, so, so those things definitely work against me. Right. Um, and, and also I'll be honest that while I, I love chat GPT and I love all the, the use cases that are coming up around AI, I'm actually being resistant to just add a component of AI into my product or my investor deck. Right. Cause I, I, cause for me, I'm like, okay, what I'm doing right now, users are loving it. They're using the product. They're getting value out of it. I would love to incorporate AI, but it has to really exponentially solve the problem better for my user. Right. Only then does it make sense. Right. So, so that, that, that has also kind of, you know, been, uh, uh, you know, a cross against me. In some of some by not meetings. following by not yeah, following they're like, the oh, well, what yeah. is your approach to AI? And I'm like, well, you know, we'll figure it out. We don't have, you know, we could we could like add that little AI button somewhere and then say that here, here's we, we have <laughs> we have uh, we're doing AI, but I don't want to do that to be honest, right? I'm I'm actually very happy at this point in time, especially where my inbox now every morning is full with customers are like, hey, I did this. Here's the the showcase that I created. Uh, and I want to do this. How do I do this? I, I'm actually facing this issue. Hey, is this a bug? Why are you building this? Why, why are you doing this? I'm trying to achieve this. And I'm starting to see so many different use cases and people actually using it. I want to actually tap into that. I want to like, you know, build that, that moat of people who, uh, are using the product are helping me flesh out great use cases that are adding value to them. And then yes, figure out that, okay, is there a way that AI can like supercharge, uh, this, this, uh, use case or this solution for the problem statement that, that my customers are facing. And then finally, like, okay, how much will someone pay me if I actually add AI to that? Right. Because I, I, I don't want to like just add it and then be like, okay, it's, it's free. And then three months down the line, be like, Hey, you know, I've hit my limits. So sorry, no more AI. Yeah. Right. I mean. <laughs> Then I, I, I'm using a couple of like early stage products and it's often this, like we reach our open AI limits, like no there more AI go. feature for this month. Exactly. And then sticking to the solo founder thing, because you mentioned it, how, how's your team structured today? So are, are you still solo and working with a couple of freelancers or like what's, what's the team like? Yeah. So, um, I, I finally have a CTO, like I think from the last time we spoke, I have a full-time CTO and then, uh, and then, uh, a hybrid of like, you know, some, some in-house, some, uh, uh, you know, contractors, some interns. Uh, so yeah, still a very lean team, uh, deliberately so, uh, but, but I think, I think we're, we're doing fantastic work for the size and, and given our constraints. Yeah. 
would there be anything that you would do differently if you had to do it over like get a like try harder to get a cto in from the beginning or are you quite happy how it worked out because in the end starting solo also means like having like a bigger chunk of the equity usually sure so um i i actually do feel that if i had a co-founder early on um you know it would it would have accelerated what i'm doing right now Certainly, if I start another company, or when I start another company, I will I will try doubly hard to have a have a co-founder. I, I, I've 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 been advising that to people as well. They're like, "Oh, that's amazing that you're doing this in solo founder." I'm like, "Well, I also do not have an option." Then I'm like, "I just because I'm a solo founder, I'm going to quit, right?" Uh, and and I, I you know I actively looked for a co-founder for the longest time. It didn't work out, but you know I found a great CTO. Um, and, and I can already see that having a second person, uh, who is as vested in the product and the vision and, and what we're trying to achieve, uh, and how it has sort of impacted our roadmap and our traction and our engagement with customers, the velocity with which we're building things. Um, so yes, definitely, you know, have a co-founder if you can. Um, and, and not just from a product perspective, I think solo founder is a, is a very lonely journey. I think a lot of people have said this before, so it's not, it's not news, but I think you, you don't know it until you live it. Right. And I, and I can wholeheartedly attest to that, that it's, 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 it's a rough ride. Um, there's ups and downs with any startup, but as a solo founder, you, you, you have to deal with it all by yourself and having even one other person definitely helps a lot. Did you try anything to cope with that, like a mastermind or just like having friends in the industry or how, how did you deal with it before you had your CTO? Yeah, I mean, and, and, and those challenges still exist because, you know, I'm still the only quote unquote founder. Um, and yeah, having, having a great support system, whether it's friends, families, advisors, mentors, uh, I've tried to actively cultivate uh, mentors uh, for different parts of, you know, my life. So whether it is a professional mentor where I'm trying to figure out how you might be a better leader, whether it's a mental health coach where I'm trying to figure out that, okay, how do I kind of, you know, still stay on an even keel while dealing with the ups and downs and not letting it affect my, my, my thought process, um, and, and, uh, ensuring that I, I can be in it for the long run and not just burn out. Right. Um, Having a, a very supportive family, I think, has, has gone a long, long, long way in helping me, you know, still be here, still smiling and still doing this. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's there's a bunch of things that, that I've done and, and will continue to do because I think solo founder or otherwise having a, a set of, uh, I think I, I saw somewhere on Twitter, your personal board of directors, right, is, is very helpful. Where it's like, hey, you know, you have you have someone who's who's vested in you as an individual to do well professionally, someone who's invested in you to do well in a leadership role, someone who's very invested in you to be a happy and healthy and sane of mind, right? Um, someone who's in, who's invested in you to be physically healthy, right? So this these are your, all your your personal board of directors who hold you accountable and help you be accountable. So so I like that concept a lot, and, and something that I continue to work on. It's never, it's never done. Yeah, that's quite a smart approach because I know from my own, like basically founder journey that keeping a tabs on all of those is not the easiest thing. So yeah. usually like for me, the thing that like 
went downhill quite a bit was like the physical aspect. I was like 400% involved heavily in sports, like basically all my life. But then being a founder took quite a toll on that. So that's like one thing that I'm actually actively working on right now, which is harder than one expects, but it actually yes. like would make me or like I or it makes me better as a business person in a way to do that. So I think that's a very smart approach to actually, yeah, yeah to try, put a focus on that basically. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Because like, it's, and when you think about it, it actually starts at the physical, right? You're like, okay, I have too much work, so I'm going to stop working out. You stop working out, you, you start being more lethargic. You start being more lethargic, it affects your, you know, mental state. And then your mental state starts reflecting on work and it's just, it's just a vicious cycle. So it's, it's, it's cool that you're, you're trying to like, you know, uh, get back on that track and it's, it's hard. I know, I know I've been there and I still am. It's, it's a work in progress. Absolutely. Let's use the last 10 minutes to talk about the thing that most product focused founders struggle with, which is like getting traction. Could you give a rough estimate of like where you are revenue wise or just like a number of, cause just to, to give context. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, we have about, um, I want to say about a hundred plus, uh, paid customers now, uh, a few thousand users in total. Um, and, and actually the way we try to measure our success is actually how many showcases or demos are being created and showcased on that platform. So I think, uh, so that's your North star metric in a way. That is, yeah, because it's like, you know, what are we enabling? Like, allow you to create showcases. Okay, so are you creating showcases? Great, you're creating showcases. Is someone seeing those showcases? Right, so those two become, in a way, like the North Star metrics. And then, of course, there's there's uh, subsequent things that, oh, some, is, is, are no showcases leading to conversions for you? That's, that becomes the final sort of revenue-focused metric, right? Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, from a, a showcases perspective, we're, we're well over a couple of thousand uh, since we... You know, so, so I think what we missed is that SmartQ has gone through a few iterations and pivots and the latest sort of version is about two, two and a half months old, three months maybe. Uh, we launched on Product Hunt on May 22nd and in the past three months alone, we've had about 2,000 plus showcases created and um, 120 or 30,000 views or something like that. So so somewhere in that region. So, so that's... Uh, those are good signs for us. Yeah. Then what did you do to get the, out of the hundred? I would love to know, how did you get the first 10? Uh, I think the first 10 really was uh, your personal network. It Makes just sense. Went out, you know, I've been, I've been in enterprise sales for about 12 years. So just started talking all my uh, folks for who seemed like the right ICP, tapped them, got them to use the product. Uh, of course, it, out of the first 10, only four, actually three, are still customers. The other seven turned out to not be ICPs, but you know, that, it's a learning. You never know until yeah. you actually go through that journey. And then, then how about number 11 to 100? Uh, so multiple different channels, right? B2B is very interesting. People talk about you know, having a playbook, and I, I try to execute that. Like you, know, you have your email, you have your LinkedIn outreach, and your content lever. Uh, and you have like, you know, your one to many distribution channels. So the ones that actually work really well for us is we launched twice on product hunt. Um, and that actually, you know, I think gave us a lot of traction. Uh, the second is, uh, LinkedIn. So like trying to establish my personal brand on LinkedIn, that actually led to a lot of inbound. 
So those were the two things that worked really well. Email did not work well for me. Email, so email meaning code outbound via cold email? Outbound, cold, e cold email outbound. That has not worked for well for me. I'm still trying to figure out what I did wrong and what I can do to like improve that because I see that there's two camps. One is like email is dead. The other is like email is still amazing. I'm like I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to figure out which camp I'm in. Mason, is there anything else you're doing right now or really focusing? I mean, product hub launches are things you can't do so often. So it's yeah. like the full focus on like the LinkedIn personal branding. Yeah. So, so LinkedIn is one. The other thing that I'm trying to do, and that's still a work in progress, is partnerships. So figuring out, identifying communities where my target audience lives. So whether it's Slack groups, uh, Discord channels, um, you know, just communities that, that are, you know, focused around revenue ops or like, you know, uh, go-to-market teams, uh, like, for example, Product Marketing Alliance. Uh, those are the types of uh, communities that I'm trying to reach, partner up with, and then hopefully evangelize SmartQ there uh, so that that can be a channel for me. So partnership in an affiliate kind of way or more like sponsoring communities? Yeah, so it can be, it can be you know, N number of things, right? Could be like, okay, can we do joint webinars or a series of webinars? Can we create uh, content jointly? You know, there's blogs, videos, what have you. Can we offer uh, special pricing uh, to your community members? Can we do master classes? Um, you know, so so that's what I'm I'm considering. Uh, the the other thing that that we haven't started working on, but but want to soon is that now that we have these sort of initial set of customers, initial set of like champion or loyal customers, can we actually use that to create a referral loop, right? Like tap into them and then get them to, to bring more customers. And I think there is where the more affiliate model will come into play that, hey, we are our champions. We'd like to, you to bring more people in through the door. And as a thank you for doing that, we'd like to offer you something, right? So we're trying to figure that out. Yeah. How do you think about evaluating those channels? I mean, there's a, a thousand things you can do, SEO, Google ads, and so on. Yeah. So what's your like mental model if you have one on evaluating, okay, which channel do I invest in? Because like, yeah. making a channel work is like a ton of iteration. So yeah. how, how do you make the decision? Yeah, I think, I think uh, one is obviously, uh, does my target audience live there? Uh, how active are they? How highly is that? community or that channel rated, right? That in terms of ROI, maybe, you know, or, or do people really engage there? Do people actually spend time there or people spend money there? Super, uh, super tactically, how, how would you evaluate this? Because I okay. think everybody, like most people build in industries where they have like some experience, so they know where people hang out. Yeah. But how would you evaluate if it's potentially like impactful and ROI positive? before starting to invest in it. Mm, so, okay, yeah, so, all right. So, so I think let's, let's take a, a realistic example, right? So, so there is a Slack community, let's call it, you know, Product Marketers Anonymous. And um, first thing I'll do is I'll join the Slack community, see how active it is. Like, are people actually contributing? Because there's a lot of Slack communities where it's just like, you know, one-way uh, communication where people just broadcasting, but no one's engaging. So you see if people are engaging or not. How, how sort of vibrant is the community? Um, see, like, reach out to other members, like, you know, when they're posting that, hey, you know what, uh, we're running this campaign, we're partnering, we're doing this or that, reach out to them, ask them how it went, 
Did they actually get any ROI on it? Did they actually get customers? Did they actually get users? Uh, use some, some, there's no, there's no uh, silver bullet, but, you know, use some tangible metrics to be able to decide whether this is going to work for us. And then of course you have your own set of criteria, right? I'm like, I'm at that stage where we haven't raised a big, big VC round. So we have a limited set of budgets. Uh, I am, I am a single person with an intern who's trying to, who's going to have to manage this channel. Am I going to be able to do that? Um, kind of check all those boxes. And then of course, it's like, how much effort is there, right? Is there going to be a lot of work on just my end or do we'll have to get dev involved? Like, what does that look like? Right. So, so like you kind of, you kind of layer it, um, one after the other to decide. So for example, at this point in time, I'm not going to do uh, performance marketing or paid ads, uh, just because I'm like, okay, I a, don't, uh, think I have the luxury of, of that kind of, uh, investment that I would need to make to, to very clearly determine if that's the right channel for me or not. Second, I think we're still early where we're seeing a lot of use cases for smart queue and a lot of different personas. So if I don't have a clear, very clear ICP, it makes no sense for me to go out and spend real ad dollars, assuming that this is, this is the right ICP or not, right? So, so are there, are there channels that are perhaps lower risk, but potentially higher reward, right? So I don't know if I, if I answered that, but, but you know, there's, you there's a bunch of, yep. uh, things that I try to think through at least. Yeah. I mean, make, I think it's super important because I, and that's the thing I did myself. So that's why I know that I also talk to other people who do the same, that you, you read like a Twitter thread about something. Then you go on like, do you see, damn, like someone else is talking about that. And then you feel like the, the kind of FOMO of a channel that might be amazing. Yeah. You jump in, try to make it work. And then, so that's why I think like go, choosing very strategically what to do, especially because we are all stars. We all have like very limited resources. It's like one of the most important things to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that the, one of the most important things to, to be able to do is to say no. Uh, because I think, I, I don't know how many inbounds you get for partnerships, for sponsorships, for, you know, invest uh, a few hundred dollars for this. Uh, and it's so easy to get distracted. Like, oh man, this would be nice. So I got to spend like $250 and I get like, you know, a hundred thousand views. That sounds awesome. When you're like, oh, is it really? So, so I, yeah, I've been burnt and, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn on, on, how to say no more often, or at least uh, more decisively. I think that's, that's a very good point to wrap up. But before we do so, what's your big vision for SmartQ? So with SmartQ, like I said, you know, we want to, we want to help, um, go to market teams or revenue teams, refine and improve their sales motion. And product demos is, is the first piece of the puzzle that we're trying to solve. There's a lot of other things that, that we have cooking uh, that I don't want to talk about, but like, that's what we, what we want to do. Like, you know, there's uh, you have your sales motion and your sales funnel, how, what can we do for each part of your sales motion to be more efficient and effective, um, to sort of, uh, help you get to revenue faster. Makes a ton of sense. Robin, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Likewise, Nicholas. Thank you so much for having me. If you like this episode, then you'll love the SaaS operator. 
a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.